the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. Um, certainly have some interesting stories from this. <laughs> Springtime yields new things. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, what are we talking about today in public? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. But I was thinking about the idea of like, is it important at this stage in life, maybe not at this stage in life, but at all, like to have a uh, philosophy of separation? I've been thinking very much in philosophical terms, but like, what does it mean to, you know, like really separate sense of separation or something specific? No, just separating from things. I, I think we come and go from things on a regular basis, right? There are things we pick up and then leave behind and maybe never come back to, or things that we come back to again. And how do we end up treating those things? Right. And how do we also get rid of things in our life? Right. Like how do we separate from things that we don't need anymore? Well, what, tell me more about what you have been exploring in your mind. Well, I certainly think about it in terms of divorce. That's what certainly brought this up, right? Like how do you separate from a marriage, right? Is there a way to do it with some sanctity involved? You know, I think you and I both know that there's always drama involved in divorce. Doesn't have to be that way. I heard a very interesting story on Clubhouse of a woman who, you know, considers it a, a positive divorce. She apparently lives uh, with her ex and her ex's new wife. Like they are just in a unit together. It is not like a sister wife or anything like that. It is, she lives in the home uh, or on the grounds. And that's the way it's been from the beginning. Right. So like that is children or because they still want to live together. The way she describes it, it's because they have children and she feels very loyal to her children and to her ex in that way, in terms of raising the kids Right. And so that's what's inspired her to be able to do this. Uh, and so that's certainly one way to separate. Right. I'm sure some would argue that's not a complete separation. Well, well, what is complete separation? And then again, my point is that this happens, I think, on a far more regular basis in our lives. Right. I'm not just talking about, maybe I am, but I am talking about like, well, even us right now, like we're here at this moment right? We're together. And this is a purely kind of fun, creative endeavor between two friends, right? How do we separate at the end of it? What does that say about the next time that we're going to see one another? What does it say about the experience that we just had? And I'm not suggesting these need to be like deep and heavy things that we always think about on such a regular basis to make parting such a difficult thing. But my point is to say, how then do you carry it into lots of other things? And of course, this is brought on by the dating scene as well. I hear people talk all the time about getting ghosted or submarined on, right? There's a woman who just, you know, came back, started texting me all of a sudden again after ghosted me three weeks ago, right? So I have a feeling that it's going to happen another three weeks from now. What's submarine? Submarine is kind of when you come back, you you know, surface oh, and then so dive again. Ghost and come back. Now you're submarining. If it's a consistent behavior, yeah, I think ghosting turns into submarining in that way. Wow, I feel so. And I don't mean to even talk about like I'm not trying to turn this into a dating episode, right? Or occupy our thoughts with that. But again, I think there's something to be said about developing a philosophy of of separating and what that means to move away from something at any point. 
How do you feel about that? What do you carry with you? What do you take into the next one? It's interesting because in the context of dating, and I, I know you're asking a broader question here, which is a good question about separation, but I feel like the way we've set up our system of dating now, which is so online and um, there's all these places to escape. We don't engage socially in the way that we used to. It's so much easier to just disappear. And it's become such a socially accepted behavior. I'm done. It's almost like I don't need to clarify. My disappearance is clarification. Right. I haven't done anything wrong. That's the step to indicate I'm no longer interested. And there is no space or transition of, hey, it was nice meeting you. I don't see this working. <laughs> um, good luck with life. It's I'm done. I'm out. Then there should be. But the opportunity just to be done and out, right, is there. And people take it all the time. And you can see how bereft some people are. I was just talking with a buddy about this last night. It ha and he's gay, right? So it's not like women are doing it specifically to men or men doing it specifically to women. We could do it to all of it, to, to each other. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. the way it goes. But it should be that way of like, didn't feel a connection. I hope you the best. I wish you the best. I'm sure you'll find someone, enjoy life, that sort of thing. And that really is that simple. But again, like, what does that mean about all the other things? Right. Like when you separate, do you expect to see that person again at all? And I'm not even saying like, you know, I expect to see you next week when we record. Right. Or not if something happens. But like, I expect that you're going to be around. Right. So like there is a certain. A certain I don't know want to say naivete, but like there's just a, a faithfulness about it, a hopefulness about it that, you know, enables me to believe that you're going to be around next week. Well, there's a lot of attachment stuff around there. So people who have poor attachments get very um, agitated with separation and with the transition because they don't know, they don't have that faith and that reliability in their life that people will show up and be consistent. Right. So there's a lot of exploration in terms of what's, what are not you, but the general sense of you, uh, their, your attachment style. How do you show up in, in endings, in separations, in goodbyes, even short-term goodbyes versus long-term goodbyes? This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Is this like all like daycare drop-off stuff and trauma? Yeah, I think it always comes back to that. I think how you relate now to other people is very much rooted in how you were treated as a, in your relationships as a child. We react to the world based off of how we've learned to expect the world to be. Sure, absolutely. So if we expect, if, if you had a history of abandonment or people not showing up, you might be like, is she going to show up next week? <laughs> you know, right. Maybe you've, you've learned how to deal with it a little better, but maybe those thoughts and those feelings would be coming up in every separation. And this is pretty consistent, but what if it wasn't as reliable? What if it was a date or a text or things like that where there is no assurance? It can be really scary. It's easy to think about the ways that you would improve on and take seriously the separations that occur in really kind of like small moments, because those can be really easy to handle. I think if you just get a grip on it, like I think of the times that I've ghosted women or possibly even submarined on them without even knowing on it. And then there's another term of like becoming a zombie, which is that like they just won't die. Like you've broken it off with them and they like can't 
quit. Like they keep coming back into your life. They're not getting the message, that sort of thing. You've ghosted. So, and they zombie, not you. Saying every, what I'm yes, saying is, first like, of all, these terms apply to everyone. There's an equal opportunity for men. No, no, and I'm not women. saying you, I'm trying to differentiate. All I've ever heard was ghosting. I feel like an 80 year old woman. <laughs> Listen, grandma, you better get hip to it. You better get hip to it, right? Because unless you're getting married tomorrow, right? The dating scene is rapidly evolving at an exponential pace. That's it. There's a whole new dictionary out there. So my good friend who I've talked about here and that, you know, Chevy, we actually have committed to each other to be very clear mm. and not ghost ever because it's very uncomfortable. There's this belief that that the like being honest and open is more hurtful than just disappearing because disappearing is so vague and you can, yeah. you can be so interpretive versus right. I'm not interested. <laughs> this is definitive. Goodbye. You feel like and, an asshole. That's the way I right, feel about I it. We run away from that conflict, but yeah. being on the receiving end, both of us, it's just the vagueness is so confusing and so frustrating and just you, not, ev not everybody has to love me. I'm not, I mean, my parents think that everybody has to love me, but <laughs> in truth is I'm not everyone's cup of tea and I don't need to be everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. You don't have to tell me why you weren't interested, but just be clear and definitive so that there's not these stories because then we build stories in our minds of what did I say wrong? What did I do wrong? And then they just grow and take over from there. And I think it's a kindness to be very clear with people. And you're talking about that in a friendship that you have. No, well, we have a very, we talk about our dating lives all the time. And so right. we encourage each other. If you're not interested in someone you've gone out with, you need to send a text right now and be very clear that you're not interested. Oh, I see. You're each other's accountability partners in oh, the dating process. In everything, but right. in this context, yes. Okay. And we have been very cognizant of this and, and think it's an important, I don't think we're going to change society, but I think we both okay. recognize this as something important to address in our lives for our own accountability, mostly because we want to treat others the way we want to be treated. And we've been on the receiving end of ghosting and things like that. Uh, this stuff comes up all the time in the, you know, dating relationship circles that I've run in on Clubhouse. And I think what you're talking about is this practice, right? Having a practice of separation, right? Which is to say that I'm going to close this off. It's not only for your benefit, but it is also for the other person's benefit as well. So there is this kind of like feeling of mutual respect about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice practice. And it also made me think of our children, right? Our yeah. children have uh, this like, the, they have this built in separation in their lives of mom's house, dad's house, mom's house, dad's house. And what are the transitions? I think you mentioned in one podcast of some ritual that you do. Uh, which I thought was really nice. Transition rituals and whatnot, like just recapping the experience that I had with them, you know, re mm -hmm. you know, uh, reiterating the memories and the experiences and how much fun it was and how much I loved them. And I'll think about when they're gone and I'll really enjoy it when they come back, that sort of thing. And then making sure I walk them to the door, that it's not just get out of the car and take your bags, but it's that I'm delivering you here, that sort of thing. I'm making sure that you're here. I thought that was so beautiful. And that is that, want to bring it, want to bring it, make it Jewy. We have these, we, these concepts of Havdalah, of the separation of uh, all the time of recognizing transition. Well, and the whole part of it too, is that you carry the sweetness and the, and the joy 
and the beauty of the Shabbat experience into the rest of the week. It's so that like the memory doesn't just leave you right there. And there's so many, I mean, that's the beauty of it is that you've got the spices and the, and like beautiful candle to look at and the songs to sing and then the wine to taste and then everything. I mean, it's just, uh, and the flame in and of itself, it really is a beautiful thing to say, I'm separating from something that was really amazing, but I don't want to let it go entirely because I really love having it in my life. And I want the regular times during the week when it's not that feeling to at least feel like it a little bit because that'll bring me some joy in my life. But think about like how difficult that could be when you feel like someone's been dishonest with you in a relationship or you feel like you've given yourself to someone and they haven't given themselves entirely to you and then they break it off. Is that the same thing as dishonesty? No, no, no. I'm trying to say that like, that's no, I don't think that's an example of dishonesty. Right? I think that's a completely separate thing. I was just trying to state kind of different examples mm-hmm. of like what I think could you feel uh, maybe things that I've felt, certainly, right? Those are personal examples I'm drawing on, right? When relationships have ended. And so, you know, this is before marriage as well as after marriage. I'm just thinking about the totality of it and how I felt and how I treated that separation, right? Did I feel like it was just wasted time? Or did I feel like there was something that was really beautiful about it that I wanted to hold on to? Not in a way that was, I can't let go of this, right? Like I'm still holding on and I hope that she'll still be there but more in a sense of that's closed off, but what happened was still really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that was still real. And I can still appreciate that. And that can still bring me joy. It doesn't have to be left there, right? That's, I think the lesson of Havdalah is that even if there is a separation, it doesn't mean you have to let go of it. I don't know. Where do you get that from that, that the Havdalah process is part of bringing I always understood it to be an actual separation of this is holy. We, we keep that here. And now we're going to move into this different experience of the week, which is less holy. And it's not this enmeshment. It's a very clear separation of, and that's what creates distinction and value of this. There's, there's value in the separation. I hear what you're saying Then Why not just do it with Mariv? Because you could in Mariv, it acknowledge it, acknowledges it. And the Amidah that specifically talks well, because about Mariv separating. Is it's an everyday experience. And Havdalah is... is yeah, and Mariv acknowledges that the previous day has ended and the new one has begun. We're just talking about making a separation. My point is to say it's done with such beauty and such wonderful ways to engage all five senses, by the way, because we're supposed to take it into the week and be that fully aware of the type of joy and beauty that could be found in the mendacity of the regular weekday. Just because it's a different weekday doesn't mean we can't find a little Shabbos holiness in it. Fight me. Bring it. Well, first of all, you're, co- you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> your, your comment about Mariv. Mariv is the transition separation of, of day into night. That, so that's specific for day and night. Havdalah is a separation of Shabbos and week. It's an entirely different um, context of separation. Yeah. And and the separation of Shabbat to the week occurs from the process of day of night turning into day, the transition from one day to the next. Technically, but we, but I, but Havdalah is a separation of holy time to unholy time. So it requires a different practice 
to have that distinction. Marv doesn't cut it because yes, it does not, actually not not for not for that distinction between the holy and the not holy. You want to go back to the law codes and check it out, but havdalah does not need to be done on Saturday night. Shabbat's over whether you do havdalah or not. Just like exactly. Shabbat comes so it's on, not a distinction of time. It's a distinction of of holiness of concept. Yeah, of holy time and mundane time. I mean, they get intertwined because everything is time-based. We live in a time-based world. So you can't, yes. you can't unravel that. As Heschel basis. says, all time is iterative, the same. I'm not, I actually, I don't, I'm not arguing that the fact of the fact that it's all encompassing and sensual that we are meant to look for that. I never looked at it that way. Uh, so I, I actually need to think about it in that way of if it bleeds into it, I don't think you should think about it as bleeding into it. There's certainly a distinct separation to make. I don't go into Sunday thinking, oh man, I, this is Shabbos. I don't have to do any work, right? I'm fully much aware of the fact that I've spent a full 25 hours enjoying the rest and peacefulness and harmony of Shabbat that I now have to go spend the rest of the, rest of the six days of the week working hard to earn Shabbat, right? That is, there's like an A and B to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's also remember that you kind of fucking put your ass to work during the regular six days of the week. So like, I, I get that, right? There's a separation there. But I think the point is to say is that that six days a week is a long time, right? And there can be a long time for going back to relationships, a long time between the really beautiful moments that you want to enjoy for a longer period that you just kind of want to sit in that are really holy and sacred. And when the next one comes around. And I think the point of Havdalah being such a beautiful ritual and ceremony in that way is so that it does create the separation. It acknowledges that you're leaving it behind. But we also, within the context of the prayer, say that we're going on to a new week. And that's what we end up acknowledging in the whole process. So I don't think it's this bleeding. I think it's this memory of it, this sweet memory, which you can't do anything about. I can't do anything about the women that were in my life that I still think about, whether I have regrets about them or not. Right? How I choose to remember them is a completely different thing altogether. And that's the point I think that Shabbat means, or at least Havdalah means. Yeah, I hear that. And I also think it's not only how you choose to remember these women, but also how you choose to what the takeaways are. Yeah. Um, so what was what was your message, the learning experience, the value, the 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 felt embodied experience of the relationships? Yeah. What are you taking with you? That's right. beautiful. How do you think um, overall? And you don't have to go into a lot of detail about it, but how do you think overall the separation of your marriage went? Be more specific. Well, kind of the divorce. Like if you were going to rate the experience in general, right now having some real distance from it and thinking about separation and the way separation can go and thinking about the magnitude of the relationship, right? There's a real enmeshment, right? Part, I mean, it's not just like you knew each other for a couple of dates and exchanged some stories. You went through experiences together, right? Really deep ones and defining ones. You became parents together. That's heavy shit, right? So like, that's a real, like, that's like one of those Velcro separations where things are like really like hooked into each other and you hear it kind of tearing apart some of the time. Yeah. So like, wh like, what was that like for you? Well, it's, I think it's hard to categorize so um, unilaterally because there were as many stages and different places along the way that I would rate differently. Yeah. Uh, I think, okay. So if I were, 
to say like that, I like that concept of Velcro, that experience of it. I mean, that was painful. And, and I think that that pain is what caused that, that hard place of the divorce where we, we had a hard time separating um, and it showed up in how we were going to divide the assets, what the custody was going right. to look like, you know, like right. all of those, like, who's taking this, who's taking that. I think it's that separation of also keep in mind for me, I got married so young and there was also this development of who am I? Like, who am I outside of this relationship and religion and all the parts that came with the marriage, um, separating myself and finding that. And that was a painful, very painful experience to, to pull those apart. Yeah. I certainly thought about that in my marriage, when my marriage was ending, I was thinking about like, I would have thought that the experiences that we had really enmeshed us together for life. And then it was thinking about like, well, how do you now live a life having had those experiences with someone, right? And now have a life without them. It was certainly something that I thought about. And, you know, the last few days weren't fun. They were emotional. Um, and just, I'd rather not remember them. Hmm. And I remember fighting for the marriage along the way. So it was like this weird feeling of, you know, doing what I needed to do, right? Following through with the divorce procedures and what had been asked of me. And then also trying my damnedest to save the marriage. So it was this weird like push and pull of like separating out and still like keeping another leg on the dock and feeling like this weird split about it. Hmm. It's this protection of self and then also this desire for integration. I think so. Time. I think so. Yeah. I have this question now in relationships of, I think that that's a really good question of where does self end and where does other begin? Mm. Uh, you know, we are like, we, we talked about at the beginning, older, we know more about ourselves. We know more about our needs. Hopefully we're at a place, speak collectively, the collective you where we can verbalize those needs. We know what we want. We went through an experience that really um, defined and helped, um, kind of sort out who we are and what we want. Yeah. And then now we're looking for relationships. So what does that look for in relationship? Where does my circle of self end and start? And where does somebody else and their needs and their circle of self start and end? And how do we combine that in relationship? Yeah. It's a real practice of saying goodbye, even in small things not only with the kids, with people that you just meet in certain circumstances, how do you end up wanting to have those relationships? Do you think about the other person's experience in the process, right? You have to believe that like, if you notice that someone just auto automatically disappeared from your life, they would probably feel that about you too. And how would you treat that? Say, say that again? just in terms of like what we've mentioned in terms of ghosting what it means to hold yourself accountable right and to and to communicate right not only in like the dating relationships but in a lot of in terms of a lot of other things right like are these just people that you've met for professional networking purposes right and do you just kind of show up with this you know superficial way about of saying like these people are just here so I can network or do you treat it with a little bit more depth than that right from a 
a, a boober perspective, right? Are they a person or are they just someone to be networked with? And if they're a person, right, do you conclude that opportunity to network with them with some sense of, you know, sanctity to it? I'm not saying like, oh my God, this is a holy moment. I'm so blessed to have met you, blah, blah, blah. Thank the good Lord. What I'm saying is this was really great to have met you, right? I really appreciate the time we spent together. I look forward to more communication, something like that, mm -hmm. right? I just wonder what that looks like in real time to really develop a philosophy in that way of saying goodbye, right? Of separating from things. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Do we just hang up and not say, how do we? I don't know. How, how do we to end do? this conversation? We have to demonstrate it for everyone. I think first we have to tell people that if they have stories or philosophies or tactics that they use to separate from people in right ways like Sheva and, and, uh, and I, I, Chevy, was Chevy yeah. and Sheva. Yeah. The dynamic duo. The dynamic duo, the accountability partners in dating. If they yeah, have if, stories if, like that. If we have people listening who are dating, I would ask, I would challenge people to think about how they show up in separation. I also, I also am really touched by by your ritual with your kids, and I, I feel a little bit like I, I had lost, I have lost opportunity. My children are older; they go to their dad straight from school. I don't have that time really to transition with them. But it, well, I'm going to think about how I can maybe implement that more. And if you have kids that are younger, what does that look yeah. like? Because I think that that's a nice ritual. I know that at one point I, I had a lot of things that I did or tried to do with good intentions, but I just never followed up. And I bought, I saw in a dollar store, maybe it was at Target, these little uh, metal mailboxes. And I bought one for each of my kids. And I had meant to kind of put a note in every time they went to their dads. And when they came back, like there was a little flap, like, it was a it's real horrible. mailbox. So cute. Never yeah. once did it. So I still have the mailboxes, <laughs> but the intention was there. So if you're a little bit more committed than I am and following through, I thought that was a cute idea that I never did. Uh, so <laughs> It's a good one to try. I feel, I, it makes me feel good. It, it makes me feel good to do that. I feel like, you know, I've closed off the experience for them. I've said goodbye in an appropriate way that, you know, reminds them that I'm going to see them again next week or in a couple of days, however many days it is. Uh, so send those stories to us, friends, at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. You can also find us at www.thejewishdivorceproject.com. And you can follow us on social media with the same handles, The Jewish Divorce Project. We are on Instagram and on Facebook. That's right. Please feel free to reach out. All right. Uh, Sheva, this has been wonderful. I look forward to us speaking next week. I always enjoy our conversations together because goodbye, Noam, for this week. <laughs> Bye, Sheva, for this week. <laughs> Peace out. Mm -hmm.